Broadcasting from high above the reserve, this is Radio Harambe. Jumbo, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Radio Harambe. This is Safari Mike, and I am here to do another episode about animals that you really should know at Disney's Animal Kingdom. I'm going to go through a few of the animals that make their home at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Uh, The idea behind this is to, you know, next time you're at the park and you see a particular animal, you'll know, A, its name, like... Lex the Saddle-Built Stork, and maybe a little bit about the the animal itself. But before we do that, I want to direct your attention to our Tee Public store. Um, we are selling t-shirts and all sorts of things like um, go to our uh, social media pages, such as my Instagram at safari underscore Mike or Disney's Animal Kingdom, all one word. Or our Twitter slash X uh, at Jumbo Everyone, and in the profile you will see the uh, link to our T Public store, where these T-shirts and hoodies and mouse pads and coffee mugs and the like, all designs mostly done by Christina. Um, you have such things as the Dawa Bar or the Thirsty River Bar and Grill, or you know Countdown to Extinction, all sorts of fun um, designs based on past and present of Disney's Animal Kingdom and Animal Kingdom Lodge. So I go there and every dime that we make goes to conservation. We are currently raising money for Doles, a very endangered wild canine from Asia. And um, you know we'll probably be changing that pretty soon. But for now, anything you spend, uh, all proceeds, every dime that we see goes directly to conservation. We keep none of it. Um, and we have helped all sorts of things like cotton top tamarinds and red pandas. And currently we're doing, we're helping out doles. So uh, go check that out again on all of our social media pages. And um, now let's go into, so now we want to do a little bit of a deep dive on some of the animals around Disney's Animal Kingdom. And the first I want to uh, talk about are Carrie and Bones. And... Maybe you could guess this, but those are the lappet-faced vultures that you see at uh, the Tree of Life. Uh, On occasion, you'll be able to see these two vultures hanging around the Tree of Life. And they are Carrie, which is short for carrion, and bones. And the names uh, are obvious, as vultures, of course, are our special carrion eaters. They love to eat dead animals. Uh, Lappet-faced vultures themselves are found throughout Africa and the Arabian Peninsula. They love to live in dry savannas, so it's a little bit different than what you see them in front of the Tree of Life. They are mostly solitary, so that's a lot different than many other vultures. Um, I think we all, uh, you know, vultures live all over the world, and many of us, you know, see them all the time around our homes. And they're often roost in large groups, not these guys. They tend to live solitary lives. Uh, If there's these animal kingdom, of course, there are the two of them together. They are... 
There are only under uh, 9,000 in the wild. They are now endangered. They have declined very recently, mostly due to uh, humans destroying their various habitats. And also, um, back in the day when cow or cattle died in, um, in people's farmlands, uh, they would just leave them for the vultures to, to eat, but that is no longer the case. So a lot less food for the lapid-faced vultures. So they are declining precipitously, and there are now uh, less than 9,000 in the wild. So the next time you're at the Tree of Life and you see carrion bones, just keep that in mind that um, you know, they may not be the prettiest creatures in the world, but they are very important to uh, the, the circle of life. Hence uh, their location there right in front of the Tree of Life. Nothing is more important to the circle of life than vultures getting rid of carrion in the wild. Another animal I wanted to, to uh, bring your attention to is one that is quite popular, and that is the tigers over at the Maharaja Jungle Trek. Um, we've talked about uh, tigers in the past, but today we're going to talk about Sony. That's S-O-H-N-I, which is, uh, in, in the Hindi language, it means beautiful, and Sony is certainly that. She is a 12-year-old Sumatran tiger. Uh, who came to Disney's Animal Kingdom not that long ago as part of the SSP program. Uh, the SSP program I know I've explained a few times in the past, and that means the Species Survival Program. And that is the cooperation among zoos in this country. Um, all AZA uh, accredited zoos are part of um, basically one population of these animals throughout the country. So Sumatran tigers, which of course are uh, highly endangered, um, and their uh, preservation is uh, an important goal of many zoos. The uh, tigers are transferred back and forth to different zoos um, so that they can be matched with genetically different um, uh, mates to keep the uh, smaller population of Sumatran tigers in all of these zoos, um, you know, keep, them, uh, keep the genetics as uh, variable as possible. In 2017, Sony gave birth to two uh, Sumatran tigers. One is a Nala, who we covered in the past uh, show for animals that you should know, and also Jeda, J-E-D-A. Those were twins born in 2017. Uh, Disney, of course, takes a uh, you know takes an important role in trying to help Sumatran tiger conservation. Uh, the Disney Conservation Fund, which um, was, of course was set up uh, along with Disney's Animal Kingdom to help programs in the wild, they do donate about $2.5 million every year uh, to Sumatran tiger conservation. Uh, Sumatran tigers are incredibly endangered. Uh, recently, Disney added a Sumatran tiger named Conrad, a, a new male. He came about a year ago uh, in the fall of 2022, and they are hoping that Conrad and Sony uh, will give us some more Sumatran tiger babies in the not-too-distant future. Now, I do want to talk about some of the animals that are still at Disney's Animal Kingdom uh, since opening day. Uh, of course, the park opened in 1998. We're getting close. Uh, you know, we just passed the 25th anniversary of Disney's Animal Kingdom. And there are some animals that have been there since day one. And one of them is Zawadi. And that is a 31-year-old male gorilla who was found over at Gorilla Falls Exploration Chair. He is a 
original to the park. In fact, he was at the park well before any visitors ever came to the park. Uh, Zawadi is known to us. He loves penicentium grass, which is commonly called fountain grasses. Uh, that's his favorite, uh, absolute favorite treat. And he is a part of the bachelor group. Now, for those of you who have been to the Gorilla Falls, you will know that there are two different exhibits of gorillas. The first one you come across is the family troupe. Um, and that has, always has the babies and the females and one male silverback. And then there is the bachelor group, which is when you come out uh, and cross the bridge on your left-hand side as you're walking is the bachelor group. And there are three male gorillas that are part of the bachelor group. Not only Zawadi, but his friends Gus and Kajana. And um, in the wild, the bachelor groups are usually loose associates. Uh, but sometimes males form very close friendships in these uh, bachelor groups. And sort of that's what's happened here. Zawadi, Gus, and Kajani have been there for quite some time. Now, a bachelor group is something that occurs uh, often in the wild. As some of you may know, um, gorillas live in groups that are made up of one silverback male, usually several um, females, um, and their babies. Um, and, you know, the, as the children grow up, uh, they're still part of the group until they get to be adults and go off on their own. Now, in the wild, you will have bachelor groups um, that kind of hang around the periphery of the territory of the main group. And what these bachelors are doing is they're waiting for their chance to take over the group itself. Silverbacks may get old, um, and one of these bachelors will eventually challenge the silverback for control of uh, the main group so that the new male can, you know, have females and make babies of his own. Male gorillas mature physically at about 15 years of age. So um, unlike many animals, they do take some time to mature. And males, uh, not unlike humans, uh, may not mature behaviorally for a few more years after they mature physically. Um, in this case, Zawadi has been around since 1998, and um, you know he is doing well, and he has formed a close friendship with Gus and Kajani um, over at Gorilla Falls. Now, what is the most dangerous animal in the zoo? Um, zookeepers often get asked that and the answer might surprise you no it's it's not tigers uh it's not polar bears but the animal that endangers keepers more than any other is the elephant and that might surprise uh, some of you out there listening and the reason for that is that elephants are so big and so strong and unlike tigers and polar bears and lions and the like require hands-on keeping and the keepers get into the into the into the uh, um, you know the backstage area with the elephants. The elephants require oh well f for their feet require a lot of care so that uh, you know they're trained early on so that they present their feet to a keeper and they can you know take care of, of their feet. If not, uh, they can get um, injured um, with the toenails and stuff like that. And um, they also are fed and, you know, keepers are a lot of hands, a lot more hands-on with elephants than almost any other animal. And in this case, we're going to be talking about another animal that has been there since the beginning, and that's Mac, the male elephant. He's 13,000 pounds. Um, and as you can imagine, if Mac gets a little annoyed um, and just wants to push a keeper away, 
that could kill a keeper. So um, more keepers are injured and unfortunately killed by animals, by elephants, than any other animal in a zoo. Uh, and it's not really because the animals uh, or the elephants are super aggressive or mean or anything like that, but well, frankly, they just don't know their own strength. And a 13,000 pound elephant uh, could cause serious damage when he doesn't even really want to. Mac, of course, is one of nine elephants that are currently in the herd at Disney's uh, Animal Kingdom on the Kilimanjaro Safaris. And Mac is actually a father. He is the father of two of the younger ones that have been born over the years. Uh, Stella, which we talked about on our last episode, and Luna are both uh, the um, children of Mac. One of the most important, one of the, well, excuse me, one of the conservation groups that uh, work closely with Disney's conservation fund is Save the Elephants. Uh, that group, the Disney Conservation uh, Fund, helps out a lot. And they specialize in elephant research, particularly into the behavior of the elephants and the intelligence of elephants. And they study the communication of elephants. And it has been determined that elephants can communicate over a vast amount of territory. In fact, uh, it was determined at the Bronx Zoo, for example, that uh, two elephants that were on one side of the zoo communicated with a couple of other elephants who were exhibited on the other side of the zoo. And the keepers for years had no idea because the, the communication is so low in, in pitch that it is, cannot be heard by the human ear. And these communications have been studied by Save the Elephants, and it's, it, you know, there's a, almost a language uh, among the elephants in this, in this regard. Save the Elephants also does a lot with beehive fences. And they talk about this a little bit on the Kilimanjaro safaris, and that is um, bees are used. Elephants, for some reason, can't stand. They're terrified of bees. They're 13,000 pounds, but a little tiny bee scares the bejesus out of them. So uh, hives are used almost as fences to keep elephants out of um, farms so that you know elephants could go into a farm and of course such a big animal could completely destroy a crop. But by putting these beehives out, they keep the elephants away without harming the elephants. The elephants just don't want to go anywhere near bees and move along. Uh, and also the farmers have an extra source of income as the, these are honeybees and they produce honey and they could sell honey and the like. So that's Mac, another and of the last of the ones I want to talk about today that are um, Disney Animal Kingdom originals is Sid. Sid is the rhinoceros iguana um, found in the oasis. Sid is a, a rhinoceros iguana and he is in his 40s uh, somewhere. They're not exactly sure. Uh, how old Sid is, but he has been in the Oasis since day one. And it's called a rhinoceros iguana because it kind of looks like it has a horn on the edge of its nose, but it's not really a horn. It's just some scales. And it is used for uh, dominance displays. Um, and both males and females actually have the horns. They are found only on the island of Hispaniola. Uh, and for those of you who are not so good at geography, that is the island that is shared by the Cuba and the Dominican Republic. And there are 10 to 16,000 of them uh, in the wild on that island. Um, most of its predators on the island are actually not indigenous to Hispaniola. Instead, they are invasive species like feral dogs and mongoose who have uh, somehow populated the island. 
Uh, that has caused somewhat of a problem for the rhinoceros iguana, but they are not endangered, and they actually do quite well in zoos, and they are found in uh, numerous zoos, not only across this country, but around the world. Now I want to bring you to Lex. And one of my favorite animals in the park are the saddle-billed storks. And there are two places where you can actually see saddle-billed storks uh, at Disney's Animal Kingdom. One is at um, is actually behind the Tree of Life on the Tree of Life trails. Uh, they kind of <clears throat> you can actually see them from the bridge that goes uh, over into Harambe if you uh, you know stop at the bridge and look sort of towards the uh, uh, Expedition Everest down the river. Uh, sometimes you'll see the storks right by the water there. Their, uh, their exhibit on the Tree of Life trails is right there. So right if you're leaving Harambe, going back towards Discovery Island and back towards the Starbucks, there's a little path just over the bridge to the left. If you go down there, there, there are tortoises, there's the Indian crested porcupine, but the first animal you'll see there will be the saddle-billed storks. But that's not where Lex is. Saddle-billed storks are also found at the very beginning of the Kilimanjaro uh, safari, along with the bongo uh, near the where the okapi are first seen when you first start your safari ride. And Lex is a brand new um, saddle-billed stork that has come to Disney's Animal Kingdom. And he is now partnered with the female who's been there for a little while, Swoop. So Lex and Swoop are on the Kilimanjaro safaris and they both look very similar. There's not a lot of uh, what's called sexual dimorphism uh, in saddle-built storks and that is uh, the big difference between males and females which is actually quite common in birds. I mean we all think of uh, for example cardinals. The male is bright red and the female is kind of dull brown and, or mallard ducks where the male has the green head and the female is again more just brown in color. But saddle-built storks look very, very similar. But there is one way to tell them apart. Male saddle-built storks have brown eyes and females actually have yellow eyes. So if you were close enough where you could see the colors of the eyes, you could be able to tell Lex and Swoop apart. Saddle-built storks are also very, very silent. They really don't make a lot of noise. Uh, there's, uh, they're far from a songbird. Um, the, the most noise they make is the clip clat their bills together um, to make kind of like a clicking sound. Um, and they do that when they're nesting. Saddle-built storks also fly with their necks stretched out. So um, some, some of you have seen herons, which are related to storks. Uh, they've kind of fold their necks up when they're flying. Uh, not saddle-built storks. Their necks are fully extended uh, and they are huge when they're fly flying. And, and they're not great flyers, but you know, they, they, they can fly. and. Um, you won't see them be fl flying anywhere around Disney's Animal Kingdom. So that's Lex. He is on the Kilimanjaro Safari. So the next time you're on that ride and, and you see the brown-eyed saddle stork, say hi to Lex. The last of the animals that we are covering today is Kendi. K-E-N-D-I. Kendi is a white rhino. And he too is found on uh, the uh, Kilimanjaro Safari. Kendi is different from the other animals as he is actually not an original. However, he was born at Disney's Animal Kingdom in March of 1999. So shortly after the park opened, uh, he was born here at Disney's Animal Kingdom. 
And Kendi is uh, as a, is a male, and he is the father of many animals. One of whom is Ranger, who is still in the park. He was born three years ago. So uh, Ranger is another uh, white rhino here at Disney's Animal Kingdom. But Kendi does have numerous kids, and this is kind of an example of the species survival plan and how it works. Uh, there are three. He has he has had numerous children. One is Tom who was born all the way back in January of 2007. He is now at the Toronto Zoo. Uh, Chitby was born in May of 2012, is now at the Lyon County Safari Park in Florida. And Kayla was born in March of 2005, is now at the Fresno Zoo. So that's an example of the species survival plan. So when these animals are born, when they are mature enough to leave their mother and, and, and you know, go out in the wild and, and be adults, they will be transferred to other zoos where they may, uh, you know, have be bred with other uh, white rhinos from different parents so that the genetic uh, diversity is kept. And that's the most important thing with these species survival programs. And the and Disney does very well with white, rhino, white rhinos. There have been numerous born and Kendi has been the father of many of them. So if you are on the safaris, you might see Kendi. Uh, he is a great animal that you need to know when you're visiting Disney's Animal Kingdom. So I hope you you know learned a little bit about the individual animals here at Disney's Animal Kingdom. Um, I appreciate you listening. Again, I want to point your uh, attention to uh, our T Public store. Uh, go to our social media pages. I'll give them to you again. It's uh, on Twitter. It's at Jumbo Everyone. And on Instagram, it's either Safari underscore Mike or Disney's Animal Kingdom. And uh, there in the profile, you'll see links to our Tee Public store where you get all sorts of cool designs. Um, you know, you can get uh, either of the treks, the Maharaja Jungle Trek or the Pangani Forest Exploration Trail, which was the old name where you would see uh, Zawadi, for example. Um, and there are uh, many other designs that uh, you should be checking out. Uh, Mombasa Marketplace, the Dawa Bar, numerous others. So go check that out. Buy some t-shirts and every dime we make goes to conservation. So I want to uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we will be back soon with another episode of Radio Harambe. So for uh, all of us here, Kwaharini and go well. Kwaharini, 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 K